Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. I've got a pen pal. We put our names on Facebook. I did ask her out once. We were only kids. Last time he saw her was in 1953. Sydney. How are you? Do you want to come round tonight? Yep. I had this fling thing. You're spoiling me. Were you really in love with me? <laughs> we keep having adventures. <laughs> I am so excited that this week we are talking about one of my favorite shows, which I discovered on Netflix. Netflix acquired a couple shows from the BBC, and this one, of course, is Last Tango in Halifax. Oh my God. I am so beyond words with this show. I think anybody who is alone and over the age of 60 should watch this. I think it is, it is. It's sort of like Norman Rockwell meets um, Anne of Green Gables, you know? It was- I kept thinking, to me, it's like that TV show with Judy Dench as time goes by, mixed with McLeod's Daughters. Oh, another McLeod's one of Daughters! My- I know, another... Yes, yes um, we'll have to review McLeod's Farm. Yes, element. I thought to myself, it's an older version of Anne of Green Gables, of... of um, in a tainted world, bringing this sort of naivete to it but it's believable and it's real and these actors oh my god can the british well, act it's so funny that you bring up anne of green gables because i will admit i was a little hesitant to click play because i'm still recovering from last tango in paris so there could not be two things that are more unlike each other than last tango in paris and last tango in halifax but when i started watching i thought why do all these wonderful actors have such british accents <laughs> and as a north american i just assumed that the Halifax they were referring to was the Canadian Halifax and not the English Halifax. Oh, um, who knew? Yeah, I didn't so know either. I feel yeah. like I have a, a whole new Yorkshire vocabulary with words like safanzified and dozy. Well, what an amazing love story. And also the fact that they found each other after all those years on Facebook. Uh, it could happen, and I'm sure it has happened, and good things do come from technology. I think that is a great premise to the show, and I love their names. Alan Buttershaw. I mean, what a great name. And Celia Dawson. And they are played by two tremendous actors. We'll have so much to say about Derek Jacobi and Anne Reed. Um, but both actors, she's 79, he's 76. The creator and writer, Sally Wainwright, who does a tremendous job. The series was inspired by her mother's her real mother, life story. Her mother, yes. But you know what's so great about the story, too, is it's so easy to see how the largeness of children's lives can overtake the parents' lives um, without even meaning to. You know what I mean? Like the parental role of, okay, well, whatever you need, I'm there for you. And both their daughters have drama-ridden lives around them. And normally those would be the major plot for a Mm -hmm. series like this. And this would be a subplot, but also the the humor, the chase scene in in episode one, season one. If you do Mm -hmm. nothing other than watch this on Netflix to watch episode one, season one, the chase scene, when when this older couple is chasing somebody who stole his car and the details don't really matter, but it is just the funniest, most wonderful thing ever. He, of course, has a heart condition and you just are rolling on the floor laughing but there's nothing absurd about it it's just 
gentle, loving, fabulous humor that hurts your heart. It's the kind of humor that hurts your heart. Yes. And I know that Anne Reed, she said when she first read the script, she said this character of Celia Dawson so spoke to oh, her because great. this character, I mean, she's so entertaining. She expresses herself so frankly and unapologetically. She curses. She's acerbic, but she's just a delight to watch. And Derek Jacobi's character... You know, I mean, here's this great Shakespearean stage hero. From right, who's Brandon. been knighted, who, by the way, who's the only one other than Olivier who's been knighted by both the Danish and the English uh, royalty, I mean, for his work yes. in the arts. Very amazing is, actor. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And I'm sure you read that Olivier saw him perform um, and took him under his wing and, um, you know, here he is, he's, he's been with us for so long and I didn't realize that he was Kenneth Branagh's mentor. So Anne Reed was known to the Brits for so long because of her role on Coronation Street. It's that incredibly popular show in Britain, which never really made it to the U S. Um, but you know, she was just the reigning queen of TV and he was a huge stage actor and getting those two together, oh. um, the cast is <laughs> unbelievable. I could watch them. I know. The all of them, home, all honestly. of them, all of them. But also, mm-hmm. also, you know, again, you know, when a, when a, when a person's been through a life, the expressions on their face are so much richer. The lines, everything is richer than somebody who's 28 years old and doesn't have a line to show for it. You know, so when you look at them and you just look at the way they look at each other, the way they look at other people, the way they look, you know, confused and happy and whatever, it's just amazing. But the other thing about, about Celia is that, um, Celia's who I would love to be without anger. Like when she's like, when she's sitting at this one point in the car talking to him, explaining to him that very, you know, in the same way that I'm going to tell you, she's explaining to him that, well, you know, my husband once fell and he was sort of knocked out and I wasn't so quick to help him. And then I realized that the next time if he fell and he was knocked out again, I really could put a pillow over his head and kill him. And that's probably what I would do the next time. And it's like, I mean, she was married to a real shit. And so, and I wanted to say, gosh, I love the way I have an acerbic tongue. I definitely have her sort of, you know, okay, let's go do this kind of attitude. But I I have rage and she has none. And I don't know if it's that generation that can speak about rage as if it's really not affecting them in any way. And it's another reason you must watch the show is to watch somebody with inner rage expressing it in a way that's just very clear, but nowhere near as energy expelling as I am used to. Well, I have to tell you, when I watched the first couple minutes of the pilot, I had no idea that I was going to like her character so much. Because when we first meet her, she's with her daughter in this posh restaurant. And um, one of her grandsons, the one who kind of has the Lyle Lovett hair. um, (laughs) And she's just going on and on about how awful her husband was and how she never could have brought him to a place like that because he would have dribbled and nobody would have wanted to look at him. And she sounded so bitter in the first two minutes. I had no idea that one of her predominant traits is really how humorous and entertaining she can be. Well, you're right. She you're right. You're, oh my gosh. I, I didn't even remember that, but it's true. The first two minutes, it's like, okay, sorry, bitter person. Got to move on. But, but right. she loses that immediately as soon as he enters her life. Now, who to 
does Tony Gardner plays the husband of one of the daughters? Who does he remind you of? Well, it's so funny because even in the last episode, they used the word gormless. And I thought he is such a gormless character. Um, Okay, so you're talking about the character of John, who had been a successful writer and now is kind of this layabout who drinks too much and ran off with another woman. Um, He reminds me of... British actor. It plays a lot with people like Julia Roberts. Are you going to say, not Colin Firth? Yes, of course. Spinning image. Really? Oh my gosh, yes. I love Colin Firth. I mean, the actor does such a great job of playing this cad, but... um, I don't think he's a cad. Oh my God, you're so wrong. First of all, he's very likable. He's totally narcissistic. He's a very likable cad, but would you want to be married to him? Well, and I wouldn't want to be married to her. Like, no offense, maybe they're made for each other. You know, she, you know, especially, I don't know how she ends up later on. I'm I'm not quite finished the first season. But, um, but you know, she's no picnic who he married, but I just think he's totally lovable, but for sure he's exactly like Colin Firth. And I bet Colin Firth would have loved to have played the role, loved to have played it. I think Colin Firth might have a little bit more moral fiber. Um, but it's funny because Sarah Lancashire, who plays the daughter, um, I read this and I thought this was totally interesting. This is the second time she's played Anne Reed's daughter. They do such a great job together. They even look like each other, but she is the character who grew on me the most. Um, and I've now watched all of seasons one and two. I know that they have made season three. Okay. And where did you see Nicola Walker before that you will now remember the minute I tell you? The one who uh, plays when, the one who plays his daughter, yeah. Four weddings and a funeral. She was in that. Yep. Which character was she? Oh God, you always expect me to remember the names the way you do, and that's the difference between the University of Nebraska and Harvard. We don't remember <laughs> names of things you do. Well, I should remember. I've seen that movie more than once. <laughs> um, okay, who? Uh, she's the one. She's the singer in it that sings that. Remember the um, the the folk duo in the wedding number one. The folk duo. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that. Oh my God. The minute you'll see her though, you'll totally recognize her. She's wonderful. And she's very, very funny. And since she's really not funny in this role, you'll enjoy seeing her. She definitely, it's definitely one of the great moments in Four Weddings. Uh, Well, the writer, Sally Wainwright, she does such a good job of, first of all, um, creating such an inspiring love story at its core. Oh my God, yes. The characters of Alan and Celia, their love just inspires all these characters around them. So their daughters could not be more different. And when we meet them in the pilot, they do such a good job with intercuts where you see her daughter who grew up quite posh walking through um, an auditorium filled with students. So she's the headmistress at this fancy school. And it's as though the sea is parting as she walks in in her academic robes. And they splice to scenes of his daughter going to the job where she's moonlighting because basically she's a sheep farmer, um, you know, mucking about with mud on her boots. But she has another job as a cashier at a supermarket. And it's such a cute meet, if you will, when the two daughters meet each other and they're fighting over a parking space in the pilot. And the way they go off on each other, it's set up so well, the dynamic where they hate each other. And then there's this rapprochement because, you know, their parents have decided to get together. It's so well done. The other thing that's well done about it is it takes the daily um, stress and sadness of our lives and gives it a context that shows that it's just part of everybody's life. No matter how much you think somebody else doesn't have it in their life, they do. And 
um, and doesn't need to be dwelled on. It just needs to be acknowledged that it's part of the fiber of our lives. You know, it's just so beautifully played out. It really, really is. The British do it so well because they give us a little time to take it all in, much more so than American uh, directors do in environments that are a little uncomfortable. You know, the farm that they're on, for example, it's a little uncomfortable. It's a little dirty. It's a really, by the way, University of Nebraska, I can tell you, it's like a real farm versus the farms mm-hmm. we're used to seeing on TV where you wouldn't want to, you couldn't wait to move there. And the dialogue is fabulous. I mean, when they say things like, does she look like the back end of a bus? Best, best, best line is at the very beginning in the, in the part where she's being bitter that you mentioned earlier. And she says, I was an inconvenience to him for 50 years. We immediately are introduced to these characters in such a full way. Um, and it's interesting. I read uh, in one review, they called the show quietly subversive. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a very interesting turn of phrase because it's true. The show as a whole seems gentle, you know, um, and it, there's such a strong sense of family, functional, dysfunctional. Um, and yet the show deals with alcoholism, teenage pregnancy, spousal abuse, murder, a same-sex relationship. And yet there's so much humor in the show. The music is so well done from the tango in the opening credits. Which of, um, which of course of, I didn't the, even notice, which tells you how well done it is because I didn't notice it, but it definitely tells that story. Definitely. I mean, there are so many elements and I realize that season two um, awaits for you. And so you just have another six episodes that you're going to love. But in the last, I won't, this won't be a plot spoiler, um, but when you see the last episode of season two, it is a wedding scene. It is one of my favorite moments that I have ever seen on TV. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Yeah. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. And again, the acting is so well done. The way that Sarah Lancashire, who plays Caroline, the way she can just say the word no, <laughs> it's a gift, you know? Right, right. Um, and I know that Sally Wainwright was so pleased with her performance in Last Tango in Halifax. She wrote another TV show for her called Happy Valley, which you can also watch on Netflix where she plays a policewoman. Um, and I saw the pilot of Happy Valley and um, I thought it was riveting. The other word that comes to my mind about all the characters in, you know, it's like how we deal with real life problems sort of determines the outcome of the problems. And they're very clumsy with the problems in their lives. These people are clumsy people in terms of how they deal with the issues and not in a negative way. I think it's probably more real life than, well, we're going to react this way and then have that perfect reaction that you wish you had. You know, I have to ask you this, O'Toole. Okay. What is it about Netflix? If you hadn't told me to watch this, why does Netflix not promote something like this? I'm a big Netflix user, and this has never come in front of me before. And I think Americans are missing so many amazing things inside Netflix because they're not promoting properly. This is as good as Orange is the New Black. In a very different way. Yes, but it's as good, meaning it's as compelling. Yeah. Netflix um, recommended it to me going off of what I have viewed on Netflix. So I'm thinking that you and I are probably watching different <laughs> things in our Well, also I share, that, I know, share, I share my Netflix account with my child, and see, maybe that doesn't help either. There and, you go. Right. The you fact know, that I'm watching <laughs> Grey's Anatomy. You know, you're watching Orange yeah. Is the New Black, and yeah. I'm watching Fred and Elsa, another movie which was similar in theme. Where, well, but you know, you know what? Then love. they're then they're not assessing me properly because mm-hmm. you know. And the other thing is, there are a lot of you know we we are an aging nation now, and the people over the age of 60 are get you know the the huge 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 group 
this should be show, you know, it's three seasons already that are out. We should be showing this in um, in aging homes, and we should be putting this out. Well, I mean, I'm watching it, binge watching it in my own home. It goes to show the ageism in TV and in Hollywood. Um, I know the BBC themselves were stunned by the success. Um, millions of people tuned in in England, and it scooped up a lot of BAFTAs. Um, well, it certainly alarming- has not gotten the promotion it deserves here. And so I hope, yeah, I hope we'll be able to, I mean, you know, my job is is to promote. So I'm going to try to work very hard to see if we can make sure people see this show. Well, I believe the New York Times, when they reviewed it, used the word treacle, which I would not use for the show. I love this show. On an alarming note, however, I did read that Diane Keaton had acquired the rights to remake it. And this goes towards something I know you and I are probably going to podcast about in the future. Most remakes, I think, are entirely unnecessary, um, you know, especially when it's already an English-speaking production. Why, why one would feel the need to remake an American version? However, I will say this. This is my ability to say one thing and then say the opposite. I know that um, French television, they've also um, supposedly acquired the right to make a French version. I guess the good side of this is that um, maybe people are finally realizing that not every viewer out there is um, 20 years old or somebody who wants to see things. Well, this is, this is an, this is an ageless show. I mean, you know, this has an ageless lifestyle to it. Anybody, any age could be interested, but I just think that those who are aging um, and, and over a certain age would get such a thrill out of it. It's just so marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. Well, you know, it reminded me, um, I went to a friend's wedding once and I remember when the band started playing and the dance floor opened and everybody just stopped. And the couple that really took everyone's breath away was not the bride and groom. It was the bride's parents. And you could tell that they had been dancing together for years and came from a time when romance seemed to be more paramount. Um, or maybe this isn't even true, but it seemed, you know, people um, like the character of Alan Buttershaw had a sturdier moral fiber. There was an episode in Last Tango in Halifax where Derek Jacobi and Anne Reed danced together. And it is, there's something so romantic about them getting together where everyone around them has, you know, their, their love lives, like we said, are in utter turmoil and complicated. And it's so nice that they're the ones who are the inspiring people on the show. Right. Oh, they are. They are. Yeah. It's so nice that they have fun together. They laugh together. They have capers. And he still says things like, you know, now heaven walks on earth when he thinks about her. Um, and to know that it's based on a real life story, I just, uh, you know, it's it's fabulous. Um, I Wait, I haven't heard that one yet. Heaven walks on earth. Oh, my God. Do you think anybody could ever say that about me? She said narcissistically. Well, you know. I got to say, when someone says it, let it be Derek Jacobi and someone of similar stature where you get a oh my gosh, if he, yeah, if I, I have to tell you, if I were having tea across from him, I would say yes. You know, like he is so compelling. I mean, wait till you see the last episode of mm-hmm. season two where he sings to her. It is a wonderful, wonderful scene. Oh, oh, oh. There's something else that um, <laughs> I wanted to make sure you knew about Derek Jacobi. He was on the short list of actors considered for which role, which did not go to him, by the way. Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yes, I'm thinking, what? Okay, are, you kidding? Yes. are you kidding? Are you kidding? Yes, apparently there were. You know, he made like the the final cut with three actors, and oh you know, my god! Obviously, by the way, it doesn't it, but... surprise me. He could have played the. Ro- I'm telling you, he's that good. He could have played the role. 
And by the way, there's mm-hmm. nothing of Hannibal Lecter in this man. And since you haven't seen it, you're not allowed to comment. But there's nothing oh. of Hannibal Lecter in this role. But he could, he's, mm-hmm. he, you know, he could probably play anything. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Well, that's I can't believe decades, I guessed right. That's so cool. Doesn't that yes. make you want to go see Silence of the Lambs, please? You know, and after decades of playing Shakespearean heroes and antiheroes, he said it's just such a welcome departure to play an ordinary guy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, O'Toole, for pushing this one on me because it was a great gift and a great way to spend the weekend is to catch up with these people. I thank Netflix <laughs> and I thank the entire cast. It's like watching the greatest stage actors. Oh, and beautiful. The I mean, the cinematography is stunning. It's just, it's definitely worth a look. Enjoy. Enjoy.